Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today on Fostering Solutions is Lakeisha Barron-Brown. Hi, Lakeisha. How are you today? Hello, I'm well, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for, I know you're very busy, so thanks for making time out to pause and just <laughs> chat for a few minutes here. Now tell, you're very, you know, everyone knows you in the Charleston area, but in case someone from, you know, I have listeners from all over the country and even internationally. So tell the audience about yourself. Who is Lakeisha Barron-Brown? So thank you for that. Yes, um, as stated, Dr. Foster, my name is Lakeisha Barron-Brown. I'm a native of Detroit, Michigan. However, I have been in the Charleston, West Virginia area for the majority of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I often mention Detroit because it's abundance of who I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, But while being here in West Virginia, while being here in West Virginia, um, currently I'm a mother. I am a grandmother. I am a community advocate. I am a person that's all about change. And in order to have change, I'm about being a visionary about being a forward thinker. And so that's who I am. I am an individual who is all about giving myself to other people so other people can have a better chance of success. Absolutely. That's, that is the life I see you live. That is for sure. Thank you. So you are, are now leading, a, well, you're leading a relaunched initiative, the Inroads program here in Charleston. Um, but prior to that, just describe your career journey. How did you get to this point in your career? Yes, so um, as far as my career journey, I will also entangle my educational experience. Um, I am a graduate of Marshall University with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice corrections and a master's in correctional counseling. Now, as you see, it goes from the criminal justice side to the mental health side. So with that, it has allowed me to have the professional aspect of that as well. I have worked on a university setting as a multicultural multicultural counselor. I have worked in the substance abuse arena um, with mothers, families, and children. I have worked in in a psychiatric hospital here in the area to um, help individuals who are dealing with mental health issues, whether it be self-induced or because of trauma they may have sustained from families as well. Um, From that, it now leads me into my current position as the program manager of College Links for Inroads, um, so again, it's it's full circle um, when I when I think of Inroads because um, as I talk about my stead here in West Virginia, I am an alumni of Inroads, and so to be able to sit from once a student and now a a, a employee of Inroads again, it's it's just it's remarkable to be able to have this opportunity to talk about Inroads and what's the, what it has done for me and how I hope that it will continue to do for others here in the area. So talk about what it what it it has meant to you. You know, you you've had a go herd. You went to Marshall and you were in counseling and and th- those are you know dealing with correctional populations. That's not for you know that's not for the weak for sure. So um, what does it mean now for you to be a part of Inroads, this program that impacted your life at an early age? What does it mean for you? Yes, so it means a lot to me. As stated, um, as an alumni of Inroads, I can sort of give you an idea of what my life looked like as an alumni of Inroads. Um, I started Inroads unaware of what it really was. I heard about it. 
I saw some of my peers in high school in it. Um, my counselor at South Charleston High School said, Keisha, I think this is the program for you. So I, I trusted her belief and I'm happy that I did. Well, her guidance, should I say, and I'm happy that I did. Um, because at that time, I lived in a, a home to where I always heard, you need to get an education. I've heard that since I was a little girl. So I understood the importance of getting an education. I was, I feel, succeeding, um, I was succeeding academically in high school, but I just didn't know what that meant other than getting an education. And so being guided into the Inroads program gave me the understanding of what that meant. One, because I am a first-generational um, college graduate. There was no one in my family who had ever went to college, but they understood the importance of me getting an education. Mm -hmm. So being at Inroads, having the opportunity to go to West Virginia State University on a monthly basis to have um, workshops that equip me for career and college readiness um, opportunities, having the opportunity to travel um, during our spring breaks to HBCUs to see what college actually looked like, the, the opportunities that were there, what it also meant to apply to college and be successful. Um, those things I was afforded in inroads as a, um, again, a first generational student. So I know the benefit that it had on my life. And I know the benefit that it's had on other peers of mine um, here in the area. And so now to have inroads relaunched here in West Virginia, um, prior to the relaunch, being that I am a community advocate, I see the needs of our community. I see the needs that our students have. Yes, many may not fall in the same category as myself of being first-generational students, but I want to believe that it takes a village. And however the village can pour into all students here in the community or all scholars here in the community, um, I think that you know a program as such only does that. So as Emrose has its mission have been around for years, um, I strongly believe that the, the core of Inroads, giving back to underrepresented um, high school students, being able to equip them with career and college readiness, having them understand the importance of what does it look, what does it look like to take the ACT and SAT? Why is it, why is it important? Why is it important to have an understanding of how to properly interview? And I say that because, you know, when I when I go around the community and I talk to students and I talk to parents and I ask them, do they feel they're ready and are they equipped to go to college? Some say yes, some say no. And then I go on to ask, well, tell me about your communication skills. They say, well, I feel I communicate well. I said, okay, well, when you're communicating, are you looking someone in the eye or are you looking down when you're talking because we're so equipped nowadays of being on our cell phones? Right, right. So our head automatically sometimes gravitate downwards. And so they look at me real strange and I say, well, those are soft skills that inroads help prepare you for. Mm -hmm. We help prepare you with the understanding of looking someone in the eye, being able to sell yourself and being able to convince the person in front of you why you are capable of attending this college or why you're capable and employable to sit behind that business desk to fulfill whatever need the company may need for you. Um, so again, as I may have gotten that in the 90s, I understand even more the importance that today's scholars need that. And I'm very thankful that Inroads is still around to be able to provide that to the Charleston market. So who led the program when you were in it? Who, who was in charge of Inroads back then? So when I was in it, um, it was Ralph Miller. Okay, yeah. As well as um, Tamara Eubanks. Okay, and they're yes. still here in the community. Huh? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes. So, um, and you kind of started talking about this, like why, as a young person out there, as a parent who may be hearing this with, you know, with a teenage 
child, why should a young person enroll in inroads? If you were to give them like three or four things, your top three, why should a young person enroll in inroads? Yes, I think the benefit of being an inroads is one, the mission states for itself. It's a career and college readiness program. Mm -hmm. And I feel that, you know, no matter what other programs or no matter what other things they may have, you can never have too much mm -hmm. to equip you for the unknown. Um, and so that's sort of what inroads do is that we offer the career and college readiness program by bringing people in to uh, facilitate national um, curriculums that we have with the inroads program. So that's number one is the career and college readiness program. Number two, to know that there are people out here that's willing to assist you to be better, to know that there's a support system outside of what you may already have in your schools or in your families that, again, it takes a village. Mm -hmm. And the inroads program is able to pour into that village for support system for all. So that's the number two. Um, number three, again, is the opportunities to grow. The opportunities that it goes beyond just high school, that it allows you that when you're in college, it allows you the opportunity to have an internship. Now, for anyone that understands the internship component, it allows you to network. Sometimes you don't have that just by attending classes. So to have the, the necessary skill set and to be able to utilize that for hands-on um, learning, um, yes, you may learn a lot in the book, but to be able to actually go out there and be able to actually work and do internships, so it's a bigger package than just the um, going to college. It's actually equipping you to be able to be successful and have job training as well. So it's really making you a whole person. So it's not because... Yes. You know, being successful in life is more than just academics, right? It's making you just a well-balanced person is what I think I'm hearing. Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. So like what age groups do you target for the, for the, because right now you're with the, the program, the component that you're offering is the pre-college, the pre-college component. So yes. what age groups are you targeting? Yes, so the age group currently in the Charleston market is high school students, ninth through 12th grade. So it's the whole entire high school, okay. Yes, it's your entire high school year, ninth through 12th grade. Again, a very important part of high school um, because that's where it all begins. Those grades follow you from ninth grade up until college. And so that your transcript really matters at this time. Again, the whole person, as you stated, really matters when you fill out applications, when you fill out scholarships. Those are questions that a lot of times um, is being asked. It's not just about your GPA. It's about how are you balanced? How are you able to multitask and still make good grades? Right. So now as the program is launching, we're in the high school phase. And ultimately we want to be moving towards having, adding the component where we have employers because a big part of inroads, people I've met in inroads over the years, they have been um, the college, uh, the internships that they have while in college have been very valuable to them. So that's a big piece of it as well. Yes, that is a, a another component of inroads that is so great as well. It's outside of the college program, which is for high school students, there's the internship program. Mm -hmm. And that's where the networking really begins. That's where you're in college, you're in our internship program. Throughout the year as program managers, we are still equipping, it's still equipping you um, where, where it comes to interview skills, where it comes to resume building, where it comes to building you up as a whole person. Um, and so a lot of times what happens is that we have local companies and even companies outside 
of the area that say, hey, this is the student whom I'm looking for. This is the scholar whom I'm looking for. Can right. you recommend, can you send someone um, to our company to potentially interview? Mm-hmm. So again, that's our internship program is that we don't just stop in high school. We still continue to equip because we understand the importance of growth. And each day we, we continue to grow. And so as a program and as an organization, we do just that. We help our scholars grow to be successful um, in their careers as well. Okay, wonderful. So you're a leader with inroads, you're a leader in the community. And you know, some people say leaders are, are born. I, I believe leaders are made. So we all have to develop certain skills and attitudes and behaviors that help us in, in, you know, in as we function as leaders in all aspects of our lives. So if you were to think of what you have learned, what did you have to learn to be the leader that you are? What skills, attitudes, behaviors did you have to learn or adopt so that you can be the leader that you are? So thank you for that question, Dr. Foster. I think the first thing is patience. Mm-hmm. You have to be patient with those whom you are learning from. You have to be patient with yourself. Um, you have to be open-minded. You have to be willing to face challenges mm-hmm. and be okay with challenges. But also you have to be willing sometimes to fail. And I say that because if you don't fail, you never learn, you never know where to grow from that. That's very good point. Um, yeah. Yes. And so throughout my, my years of life, and you have to be a team player. You know, it's not, I always say it's not about you. Um, so even though you may be a leader, you have to learn the importance of those that are around you because you should also be trying to help other people get what was given to you. Um, so again, I think patience, open-minding, open-mindedness, understanding, and a willing to face the challenge regardless of what it may be. That's right. You've got to, got to have tenacity when you're a leader. That's for sure. Yes. yes. Thick skin. You must have it. It's not a cakewalk at all, is it? Yeah. No. Um, another part of your life, you're also an, an author, you're a published author. Yes. So what what was your inspiration to write? So, you know, as we as I go back for a second on the on the conversation of leader, mm-hmm. sometimes as a leader, sometimes we have to take a step back and gather what's important to us, right? And sometimes what's important to us is self-help. I mean self-care. Um, taking time out for yourself to, to reevaluate, to develop yourself and to focus on some flaws that maybe you didn't show everybody else, but you know, mm-hmm. um, so for years now I have been writing, I've been writing for over 10 years. And I thought really when I was writing, I was writing counseling moments for other people. Mm-hmm. But when I go back and I review some of those counseling moments, I think about what my life was like during that time. Probably fair to say I was sort of writing to myself and didn't quite realize wow. that. Wow. Yeah. And so um, for years, people kept saying, Keisha, I think you need to write. And I think you need to write. And I didn't have confidence in myself that I was able to write a book. Mm -hmm. And um, this past October, October of 2021, um, something that I wasn't ready for, I um, encountered losing my 21-year-old son Mm -hmm. um, to COVID. And, you know, people ask me daily, how do I make it? And sometimes I ask myself that, but the way that I've been able to make it is that I've turned my sorrow into service uh-huh. and I've written a book called loss of self. And ironically in that book, Dr. Foster, many of those quotes I had written over the last 10 years that was called okay. counseling moments. Okay. I placed in my, my first journal, um, loss of self. And so it's, my belief is everyone has lost their self at some point of their life. 
And I think it's fair to say that through COVID, we all have lost ourselves because it was the unknown that we had to face. So in the book that I first authored, it allowed me to dive into myself um, and do some self-care for me and to, to be able to turn my sorrow into service. But I also understood service. Mm-hmm. And it's giving back to other people. So that journal not is not only for me, but it's to help other people figure out how do they regain or redefine and reevaluate themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first um, journey of author. Um, but since that time, um, shortly thereafter, after I published that book in January, I dove into writing another book because I found myself in a state of depression. Um, around March or so, um, right before actually I took the job for Inroads. And I, I sat in front of my fireplace and I just began writing. Um, and I'm proud to say that the book is due to be released. Um, and it's a lot about myself, but it allowed me to heal in some areas that I think have bogged me down that other people may have not known. But again, I had to reevaluate myself. And I'm very thankful for the journal that I was able to do that to get enough courage to, to share me with other people outside of physically sharing myself with other people. Awesome. Awesome. So where, where, where is your book available for sale? So right now the book is, um, people are able to order it pre-order right now at www.nosorrows. That's N-O-S-O-R-R-O-W-S.com. Mm-hmm. Um, in the near future, it will also be on Amazon, but right now we're just taking pre-orders through the website. Awesome. Best wishes with that. That's a major accomplishment. Thank you. To, to be a published author. That is Thank wonderful. You. Wonderful. Um, and you, you know, you've accomplished, you've accomplished a lot. You've had um, a few different careers. You're now leading inroads. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you were 16 years old? Wow. Not that it's that long ago or anything, you know. Just well, it's, it's like 30 years ago. It's like 30 years ago. Um, I guess, you know, at 16, because I had endured so much that's really talked about in my book, mm-hmm. I really wasn't patient with people. I was really angry. I felt that everyone was out to get me. And a lot of that was because of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the course of my life, I had to, A, again, learn myself. And learn that everyone's not out to get you, that there's a lot of people out there to help you. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to your question about being a leader. Right. Um, I had to sit back and trust that people really had my best interest at heart, even though being brought up, there were moments in my life I didn't think that. Mm-hmm. So I had to bring my shell down a little bit, bring my wall down a little bit and let people um, help me. And I say that because they saw something in me that I never saw in myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again, it's about being patient and, you know, just, just knowing that there are people out here who are here to help you, even when you may not think that there are. Right, right, right. So, you know, with writing and working and volunteering, what do you do for fun? I hope you have some fun in your life at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting that you asked that. And I, you know, I sort of touched on this a little bit. Um, I've always been a serious person, right? And so that question has always been very hard for me to answer. Of what do I like to do for fun? And I feel like I'm still learning that about myself at times because I had to take the serious hat off sometimes and just enjoy me, the mm-hmm. flaws, the all of it, 
right? And so I found a new adventure this past weekend, ironically, that I never thought I would like because I was fearful, but sometimes fear is because we're afraid that we're going to fail. Right. Um, so I actually went into a small cave this weekend. Um, very fun. Um, but I think the, the best part about it was I rode a horse. Wow. Um, that's pretty yeah. cool. And I, again, uh, sometimes my trust issues sometimes play a part <laughs> in my life, but I trusted an animal. I trusted myself to do something that I never thought I was going to do before, because I, as you know, it's completely out of my control. I had to trust someone else with my life um, for 30 minutes and um, it was relaxing, but I also found it to be fun as well. And so as it may have been my first time, I see myself doing it again, but I also see that I'm going to go out of my comfort zone and try new things, try new new things. That's right. I think this question would be a little bit easier to answer about fun. <laughs> we all need some fun in our lives. Yeah. I'll have to invite you to pickleball one of these days. Okay. My new, my new fun hobby. Okay. Yeah, we all need balance. Yes. Um, so you have endured some challenges in your life. You know, you talked about losing your son. So what's what sets your soul on fire? What really gives you that energy to move forward day by day? So, um, to be honest, when I look at my whole life, Dr. Foster, turning sorrow into service has always been my life. Mm-hmm. Um, not to go too deep, because some of this is discussed in the book, but I am one that by age eight, I had lost both parents to yeah. tragedy. So, my soul is set on fire because I know that had they continued to live, they wanted better for me. They just wasn't able to give that because of their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so they are my daily motivations that I don't want someone's story to be my story. So how can I help your story be different? So it's about, you know, I think sometimes it's about inner tapping into that inner child of me, Mm -hmm. what I needed and what I wanted. So I want to be able to give back to other people. So it's about just, you know, I see greatness in people. And sometimes people don't see greatness in themselves. And it's giving that person the, the know that, hey, it don't matter what your challenges are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what obstacles have been in front of you or what may come before you. It's about having the, I can, I will. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing. And so that's what sets my soul on fire. It's just seeing in others because I know someone saw something in me and that's what gets me here each day. That's a blessing. And something similar happened to me in terms of people seeing in me gifts that I never knew I even had. And yeah. I think that just that encouragement does a lot for a person. Mm -hmm. You can encourage them and help them to to stir up their own gifts. Mm -hmm. That is is amazing. So as you look to the future, what what gives you hope? What gives you hope? We're 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 living in some crazy, crazy times here. So what gives you hope as you look to the future? So thank you for that question because it's sort of a two-fold question. Honestly, Dr. Foster, I live my life day to day. Mm-hmm. And what model I set for myself is that I need to be better today than what I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And as I prepare for tomorrow, I need to go into the mind frame that when I wake, I need this day to be better than what it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So my future is a day by day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one day at a time. One day at a time. Yeah. And that that allows me to have balance. That allows for me to, A, not stress about things that I can't control. So if I can't control it, I don't allow it to control me, if that makes sense. And so, again, it's just about taking each day at a time. And I think what that does is when a challenge does happen, I'm not so preoccupied on my future. I can handle what's in front of me at that moment. That's right. That's right. The one day at a time. Yes. So thank you so much for joining me on Fostering Solutions. Um, any parting words before we wrap? No, again, um, I know I've said this, but thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, my words to everybody is, again, be better today than what you were yesterday. No matter what your obstacles may be, there's always a way, even when you think there's not. So thank you. Thank you. Lakeisha Barron Brown, counselor, program manager, author, mom, grandma, community (laughs) volunteer. Thank you so much for being on Fostering Solutions. (laughs) 